You're listening to the Black Box Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we're talking to artists about what it's like to get your music heard in the ever-changing music industry, uh, how it is to use tools like social media and other platforms as an independent artist in a changing music business. Today we sit down with Los Angeles' avant-garde musician and artist Morgan Sorn. We talk to Sorn about his unique approach to creating soundscapes, how they relate to his visual art, and how he was selected to perform at this year's Sundance Movie Festival. Here's a little bit more from Sorn now. So I'm a multimedia artist. My background was I got a BFA in studio art with an emphasis on uh, multimedia narrative. Uh, It was an entrepreneurial program. And early on, I had a vision of creating dynamic stories that could be uh, open source in nature. In other words, other people could contribute and take the work and run with it. Applying their filter to the work. And with that being said, I went about recording a six volume opera, one man opera, using my voice and uh, objects I was finding around the house I was living in at the time. And uh, out of that, um, the things that I became known for was my otherworldly vocal range and um, really uh, immersive performances and experiences. And I uh, got picked up by Art in America for the Texas Biennial when I was 23, which put me on the map pretty quickly. And um, had to look back after that. It was uh, a slew of national, international performances and tours, getting to work with um, heroes and peers that I've met along the way. And at this point, uh, yeah, you know, the, the emphasis has always been on how to take the... the the mediums and find relationships between them um, and uh, do work that was coming from that place of just pure productivity, you know, focusing less on the quality of the work and more about the practice of uh, creating something. Um, right. That's yeah, it seems too, like in the performances I've seen of you online, it's a very meditative and kind of, mixes so much art together i noticed like a couple performances where you were like performing literally in front of like art and images in the background yeah and um it was really cool really cool stuff i remember i had an art historian friend tell me once good art comes from a need and that really uh struck a chord with me because i felt like so much of the time you know looking at work in the world it just felt almost masturbatory um and uh, the, the stuff that I responded to strongest was, you know, you know, the work of some person living out in the middle of nowhere who just lost their wife or their their parent and started creating out of that need to find some sort of catharsis. And so the work for me um, takes on that cathartic quality. Uh, right. It definitely does. It definitely does. You know, I, I treat the end result almost like honey. You know, it's like the bees producing this uh, material for their livelihood and the byproduct is something that others can appreciate. And so in that regard, for me, I focus more on the process and what it's doing for me mentally and spiritually and emotionally. Um, And then the byproduct of that really is um, secondary, you know. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. You you come from a, a really artistic place, like, 
obviously I think most musicians too, but you've thought about it so deeply. Um, when you have to bridge the gap and, and sort of enter the business side of things, how, how do you think about that? And, and are you, do you welcome it or do you, um, do you not like it? What's your thoughts just in general when you have to bridge that? I welcome it. I think of it more like, um, you know, it's the means to an end. So early on, my desire was to be able to carve out a sustainable path for myself. And then hopefully by way of that, provide models and framework and ideas for other people. Most of the kids I went to school with are, you know, working other jobs. They're not pursuing their craft because uh, for whatever reason, they weren't able to find that. Uh, but it was important to me early on to you know, be as conscientious of how the work related to the culture as much as it was a process of my own um, introspective practice. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, I, I kind of have a creed with myself that anything that I do, it's all about um, providing um, funding and support for the passion, you know. Um, so, you know, whether it's mural projects uh, for a big box store or, uh, you know, commission illustration work. I, I usually will, will take it on because to me, it's all a part of that, uh, process. Um, and then, yeah, you know, if you, if you don't mind, we can pause there real quick and talk about, so you're, you consider yourself a general artist, right? Like you do music. Yeah. But you do art just in general, and that's how you make make your your living and your sort of mark in the world. How did you get into the the big box uh, mural thing? Just as a oh well, I, I'm referencing that because currently I'm doing something like sixty mural designs for Walmart. <laughs> that's and, cool. You know, nice, it's, huh? it's like uh, with something like that. I think a lot of people might say, "Oh, they're the big evil," but in fact, you know they're a reflection of where the culture's at. So my attitude is if I can take that and give it a spin and whatever they're going to be painting is about raising awareness of history and culture and things like that. Why not? Yeah. Uh, because it's going to allow for me to further uh, explore my own personal work. Um, and in the past, you know, I've done, you know, when, especially when I was getting started, I was doing furniture design for a company in Georgia and, um, you know, the resume goes on and on a graphic illustration for ad campaigns to help kids identify, uh, you know, unsafe situations and predatorial people, uh, for the state of Florida. And that actually has been working. Um, you know, so that's crazy. Me, at the end oh. of the day, it's like, it's sort of taking the, the egoic stuff and putting it on the, on the sidelines saying, you know, no, I have this creative spark. I would rather let that flow. And then, um, you know, be discerning like one navigates a boat, but, um, you know, within reason, just saying yes to these things, knowing that they're all going to feed the spirit of creation. Um, that, Definitely. you know what I mean? So, Go, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The last thing I was going to say on that is even with the music, it's the same deal. But really, it's all a pie, part of a pie chart. You know, to me, they're all interrelated and it's harder for me to draw lines to segment things so you know um and you know like the big commission work like that came from a curator friend who does a lot of the public work in los angeles and 
She said, by the way, I have this project. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and now, we're gonna, cool. yeah, we're going to be working on a sound art installation in Pershing Square in downtown LA with this guy. I think he was the CEO of JBL Speaker Company. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I can't remember. experience thing. Yeah, it's it, it, working with some kind of harmonic resonance with glass. I, I'm just now learning about it. So that's huh. about as much as I could say, but it's pretty in intriguing. Yeah, we'll have to keep uh, keep an eye out and uh, let people know when that when that actually gets gets off the ground. It'd be great for sure. What are your um? We'll we'll shift a little bit. What are your your thoughts on social media? How you um, promote your music and your art on social media? What are your thoughts there? I have mixed feelings. You know, in a lot of ways, that stuff for me, I always looked at it um as a, a blessing and also a danger. It's you know. I felt like the addictive nature of social media was always a, a thing to be aware of. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I, I don't know, I try, it's like when people have, have pushed me in the past to, you know, be posting X number of times a day and all this, I'm thinking, well, really, I'm, I would rather just move with, if I really feel inspired to do something. And, and I think it's also finding the balance of, the consistency and the necessity of consistency with the algorithmic um, I don't know, nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think sort of like back to doing, you know, work for uh, other people, it's the same idea of just, you know, taking it on, embracing it and trying to find ways to authentically use the tools. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can, the cool thing about about that kind of stuff, you can find your inspiration moments and then use like a scheduler program to make it go out on so, other days. You know what I mean? So you can you don't have to force it. I, you know, it's it's, right. it's just like anything. You have to get you have to get in the mode. You know, you're gonna mix a song. You don't just mix like thirty seconds of it and come back and right. do the rest. You have to get all into it, right? Yes. Um, but you know, it's it seems to be. This is just where we're at, right? Like I, really? I keep telling different people, but I, you know, I feel like we're in that transition that that early film had from like before voice to um, this moment when you had to speak on film and remember lines and sure. and have that that thing happen. I really feel like artists and just everybody in general are having to, you know, the transition is happening where you have to have this voice that's. Uh, whatever this thing we would call social social media, which is like bite-sized versions of right. us. And, um, you know, who makes the transitions are the ones that are good and can embrace it. And, right. And, you know, I mean, like, it's just an interesting moment to be just aware of, right? Indeed. And I think, um, for, I'd say for me personally, it's, I'm still trying to find that rhythm in my own uh, practice just because of the fact that with everything else of, of juggling, that one, sometimes I'm real good about it, but my aim, especially now, as I enter into this new year with a bunch of new projects is to really, you know, kind of crack the code for myself as to what a good rhythm is going to be, where the consistency yeah. of using these tools will uh, become. I mean, you had so many interesting points at the beginning of the interview here of what you do and what you're involved with and the voice you have. You know, right currently, right now on social media, I didn't know anything about that. I look at you a lot just because I'm a fan of the music. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, gosh, right there, for instance, you have you have the potential to create 
so much content with so many interesting facets of what you're involved with. It's true. No, it's true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, you know, you're out doing art. You can always capture that, you know, mix those mediums along with your music and things like, you know, like yeah, the, it's like mentally training myself to pull the phone out whenever I'm in those modes, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've got some friends that are much better at it and I uh, try to take cues there. A lot of the times too, it's overwhelming because there is so much in the past oh. I have, you know, managers or I've, I've hired people who kind of help with some handholding just to say, do that. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That's a no brainer. Sure. But you know, sort of like looking at this mountain of, ideas and not knowing where to start and then you just shut down that's that's a real dilemma yeah no you're not alone either i mean it's there's so much to do if you think about it yeah just in general in life and you know the ones who have been able to like the you know i hear the influencers that are making money just by making that their job in one way or another um are you know they're able to focus because they they just focused on it but for the people that have a whole another medium besides that, like that's their medium. Right. Right. Um, but the people that are like, you know, that are either musicians or artists or actors or like, there's just a whole other art form that needs to be, that tool is always needing to be sharpened and grown. For sure. so yeah. I would get it. It's not, you're not the first one that's told us that too. So I'm sure that, you know, there's a whole industry on, on helping people create more content. So it's, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite medium? I mean, like right now, there's the big ones: Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, Facebook. Um, where are you finding that you have the most fun or get the most engagement? Well, honestly, Instagram. Um, you know, the one thing I have done in terms of taking it on as a medium is looking at how the thing is arranged in the grid and creating a kind of a curated visual layout mm-hmm. using the triptych as a, as a, a part of that. Uh, yeah. So you have to do like 10 posts or whatever the, the grid works out to be and make a bigger picture. Yeah. Out of it type. Totally. It, I mean, that, that's probably, I would say that's the, the short answer is Instagram. Yeah. Um, what about and- Spotify and, like streaming music like are you do you push your your uh push people's awareness to there or you just i know you have stuff up there but yeah and in fact uh the way that i partitioned all that stuff out was i use soundcloud for live or um you know sort of like little motifs if i'm you know in a site-specific place and creating something on the fly or something that I'm doing in studio that I like that is more or less a sketch. I'll use SoundCloud for that. Spotify and iTunes are the two that have all the published work, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, cool. yeah. And you're using like CD Baby or TuneCore Tune like that? I use TuneCore. I met like the, the guy that founded it. He was a member of a breakfast club I was a part of and uh, I liked their business model. And when uh, emerging artists would ask me, I would turn them toward the TuneCore thing, um, just because it's a nice way to get your stuff digitally distributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
So let me ask you this, Morgan, just a slight shift in gears. Um, I'm dying to know just because I'm a fan now. You know, I love talking to you. Um, but where do you, where does your whole vibe come from? Who are some of your like influences, Boy. um, you know, musically art, you know, like I could totally tell you myself listening to T-Rex and the Rolling Stones, it's kind of made me the grown up brat that I probably am today. Mm-hmm. You know, there's gotta be somewhere where you grew, you know, you grabbed inspiration from Absolutely. before you became Morgan Sorn, who you are right now. Well, I can say that, you know, my mother was studying voice when I was born. And so I grew up with, you know, Beethoven and Mozart and Chopin and and, uh, Wagner and all these things playing through the record player. And then uh, I was largely unexposed to secular music uh, up until a certain age. Uh, But then I discovered, I think when I was like, you know, 11 or 12, there was a really strong hardcore and punk scene in, in Tallahassee where I grew up. So I d- immediately jumped into that and loved it. I loved the energy. Um, and then fell in love with, with industrial and things like Nine Inch Nails were like, I remember hearing head like a hole in the radio and be like, what is that? It sounds awesome. Yeah, cool. I like how angry this sounds, you know, the intensity, mm-hmm. the precision, you know? So early on um, that kind of stuff informed a lot of the, the, the love affair with, uh, you know, dynamics. And, and there was a certain like tie, tie into jazz and classical that was happening in hardcore music at that time that I liked, mm-hmm. uh, cause there was, you know, time signature changes and breakdowns and, but then there was the visceral. Sure. Breakdown. And so then out of that, that, I think that, you know, there's always been that anthropologist, you know, archeologist in me where I've been interested in the etymologies of things the origins of things. And so out of the adolescence and into the teen years, as I was developing the narrative driven work, uh, I was also interested in symbolism and looking to see where music was coming from. So, you know, a combination of being a voracious reader and then a seeker led me to uh, things like this Japanese collective uh, from the 1970s called Gaino Yamashiro Gumi which was a collective of 200 people who were creating this combination of old vocal music mixing in with the new advent of technologies like synth and, yeah. uh, and they would put on these incredible live performances and they did a couple of beautiful records. They, they're known for the Akira soundtrack. That's the, like their, their big mark. Um, you got to send us a link to that. Just the way you described it. Oh yeah. It, is a mind rattle. I think uh, it, yeah. And, and, and so stuff like that, I started going into the obscure, uh, like there was this, a, a number of other people like that. Um, one of my art dads was a mentor of mine, was a champion of the outsider art movement back in the sixties and seventies. And so the, the thing of raw vision became the spark that made the most sense to me having, you know, come up through the art world and seeing like the highbrow thing, the academia, which has its virtue, but I tended to, you know, respond more to the stuff that was coming straight from the hip and the heart, um, as a, you know, just as a flash of spirit and then books like flash of the spirit by Robert Ferris Thompson were a huge part of that formative period, uh, in a lot of ways, just, 
uh, affirmation of what I was doing, which was uh, not thinking, but but in a figure of speech, throwing the ball with everything I had. Um, right. You know. You seem like a man of the world. Where's your What's your favorite place in the world? Well, the most memorable place I've been was Rwanda. I went over there with um, Saul Williams in 2017. We're, I'm doing a 200-page graphic novel around his Martyr Loser King story. You're, you're currently doing yeah. that right now? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I'm probably two-thirds of the way through drawing the final draft. We've been working on it since 2016. Hmm. And he's currently over there filming a live-action version of it as a musical. Um, wow. But uh, the land and the people and the history are, um, it's all inspiring to think about, you know, coming out of the Rwanda genocide and then coming into the place that they're at now, which is a pretty incredible rebound. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other story, but I've got to really learn it firsthand being there, talking to kids who were survivors about their stories. Um, you wow. Know, and you were there in 2016, you said? We were there. I was there for a few months in 2017, the beginning of the year, because uh, okay. we went over there to do some site mapping for the book, and it was invaluable to be able to do that. And then I also did set design. Uh, yeah. Like, where do you stay when you're over there? Well, he and his, his so Saul's wife was a Rwandan native, and she had a friend who was an ambassador to Rwanda. So they were able to get us a house, and we basically stayed in this massive yeah. house that um, had housekeepers and stuff. And we posted up there, and then shot out all over the country, down into the Congo, out of that house. That's cool. That was a great home base. Nice. Yeah, Africa. I, I've only been to South Africa, but. It, I was just fascinated by that continent. I need to spend more time. You talked about you know, the bubble that we find ourselves in here. You really, um, I think, I wish everybody could have the opportunity to puncture their own bubble by going into these places and realizing that our narrative, you know, is inconsequential compared to the scale of the narratives that are, you know, spiraling around in the rest of the world. A hundred percent. We deal with like our, our, you know, we have a lot of racism and there's, it's still a thing that's, it's that we're working out as a, as a culture, but in, you know, I'll just use my South African uh, experiences, you know, it's what 20, it's only been like 25 years or 20. I don't know when apartheid officially ended. It was somewhere around 85 maybe. Right. Um, So they haven't had nearly as much time to adjust as a culture and you can really see it. You can really feel it when you're there. It was just a few years ago that I was, I was there, yeah. and it's it's just like tangible. You like we we went from South Africa where you really shouldn't go out after dark right. to Mozambique, which is a Portuguese uh, colony, right. and and like you know we we entered in there around ten o'clock and people are out walking on the streets, just like such a different energy and vibe. Right. Literally just right across the border. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty interesting to go. You have to you have to see it. You just have to see it to, sure. to make sense. But um, yeah. well, that's cool. Um, so it's been great, like getting to know more about what you what you're doing. Um, if somebody wants to, you know, somebody are gonna, they're going to want to check you out. So where would they go? Well, I could probably. 
the first place would be my website, Soren.com, S-O-R-N-E.com. And there, you know, I've been um, adding things here and there, but I think this year I'm going to start working on a whole new record project. Uh, You can also find me if you look at my last name on iTunes, Spotify, Napster, all of the, I'm all over those. Um, Yeah. And uh, of course I use, you know, Facebook and Instagram. It's just Morgan Soren. Um, but, uh, generally speaking, I think most of the updates I'm doing are coming on Facebook and Instagram Okay, uh, okay. for new shows and live, shows and live performances, things like that. We could, well, you'll be keeping it active on those, those channels. Yeah. Like I'm going to do Sundance. I think I have that one posted. Um, and when I have more shows, I usually will post them through my website and then that will throw it up on the social media platforms. Um, Very good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good. Stuff, Best man. of luck, man. I mean, you guys yeah. are you're doing so good. So we're, we're here rooting you on. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. We'll catch up with you again soon, but Sounds good. All right, Mark. See you, man. Bye. Bye. had foreseen.